What's up, Podcast Land? We are back for Parked in Turn 1 this week with no races this past weekend. Bo and I figured that gave us a minute to catch up on some of the news and some of the developments for next year. Bo, what's going on this evening? Hey, man, not much. How are you doing this week? Oh, man, I'm doing great. You know, I I did miss the racing. It was really weird not having any motorcycle racing happening. You know, I think, you know, we're coming close to the end of the season and we're going to have to brace ourselves. But uh, I, I definitely didn't like it. But, you know, in that in that vacuum of racing, we had a ton of stuff happen. Um, and I figured we'd just talk about it. What do you think? Yeah, no, that, that sounds good. You know, like you, you kind of touched on, you know, the silly seasons in the, in the middle, you know, it's in full swing right now. There's a lot of changes coming down the pipeline. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of chatter, even in our homegrown, you know, um, groups or homegrown communities that we talk to of riders here locally that, you know, big changes coming in, in a class in Moto America that, you know, we see a lot of riders ride in, which is a super sport class. So, you know, that's something we could definitely, definitely jump into. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Now, are here in America with Moto America, we're going to adopt the FIM Supersport, what they're dubbing the Supersport Next Generation. Uh, I don't know if they were Star Trek fans happening there. Um, but they're adopting the FIM use. Now, we know that in uh, BSB, they use these rules this year. Uh, Posh raced on a Triumph uh 765 for the dynavolt team but uh, let's talk a little bit about how that's going to what you know in broad strokes we don't want to get too technical because we we can they could but there's going to be some changes and the grid's going to look a lot different next year yeah i i think so um and i'm not sure just how how soon these are these are going to be adopted um i do know it's going to be fairly quick with at least a couple of teams probably at least one team that i've seen um in news headlines you know uh but like you said you know they're adopting what they're calling the next generation um and, and this is uh it's going to essentially to me what this is saying is we're pushing for more power um, you know because the way the world is going you know obviously for some reason we feel like we need more power the daytona um seven six five is going to be um used a bit more as it's going to be adopted as it has was adopted in bsb like you'd mentioned and also the panigale v uh, if they're calling it a panigale v2 but the p the v2 uh ducati which is a 955 cc twin um is going to be um, also accepted in that class now they don't come without any kind of uh uh, balancing, you know, kind yeah, of like yeah, a balance yeah, of yeah. performance type approach is what uh, is so, what it, Moto America is going to go after here. But go ahead, Jason. What was that? Well, I I remember there was a it was a number of years ago, uh, but when eight came out, um, and the eight four eight was allowed to race in Super Sport, but they had to restrict the airbox. Uh, I know that they they're gonna they're gonna impose some rev limits. Mm-hmm. There's obviously going to be minimum weight limits and things of that nature, but I'm sure they're going to impose some rev limits on. It's just weird to me that we're allowing a 955 cc motor to race against 599 cc. Now, yeah. conversely, they're going to allow more adaptation, more evolution of the 599s, and maybe even the 636 from Kawasaki. Um, but but you and I have touched on this already. I mean, this is an expensive sport if you buy a bike and slap bodywork on it. But now, 
one of the things that was attractive about Super was that you could basically go get a R6 or your choice, but go get the R6, slap body work on it, some rear sets, uh, throw a tune and a dyno tune and a map on there uh, with a few other modifications that weren't crazy expensive, and you were ready to race. But now that 120 not that competitive. I mean, you're a bike in the V2 that's got like a, over 150 horsepower um, out of the box. So they're going to restrict that. I totally understand. But that's still a large difference. I mean, we're going to talk about another, what, five to eight, maybe 10 horsepower out of these R6 engines, these 599s. And that's still that's still nowhere near. And as you and I touched on earlier to, in our private conversation, if you squeeze everything you can get out of these motors, guess what? They're not really And then you build them, which is more money. This is a huge difference in spending. Huge. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Especially with the long game. It, you know, like you said, you know, we're trying to meet in the middle with these balance of performance with these bikes. Um, it, you know, the development with the 599 and the 636 uh, engines, um, they're going to allow, they're going to be allowed to have aftermarket camshafts, velocity stacks, and then cylinder head modification as well. Um, but like you said, that the problem with that comes the overhead, you know, in these for, for these teams. And a lot of these teams are already operating on a shoestring budget, uh, you know, and yeah, they rely so much. And, and this is a sport that, you know, we, we had the conversation with Circuit of the Americas. This is a sport that not a lot of companies are really, really willing to dump a lot of money into anymore uh, because it just doesn't bring a lot of fan base for some reason. And, and when we say it doesn't bring a lot of fan base, we, we say that in comparative uh, to, you know, Europe. Um, into the UK, into Spain, into Italy, um, countries that, that where motorcycle racing is really coveted um, to a different level than it is in, in the United States uh, per capita. You know, obviously that's per population of country. But, you know, like you're saying, back in technical speaking terms, the this elevated cost, um, along with the fact that these engines aren't going to be nearly as reliable, the, uh, you know, the, the rev limits for R6s are still going to be over 16,000 RPM. Um, the uh, 675, which is still going to be a legal uh, bike, is over. It's 15.5. The Jixer 600s are going to be over 16,000. Um, Honda CBRs, you know, there's none. There, we didn't see any this year, obviously, but it's over 16,000. Well, and Honda has discontinued that six, motorcycle anyway. Right, yeah. You know, but, just like uh, they did the R6 from Yamaha. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we're really seeing, a, uh, I think, an attempt um, – at the evolution of the class, but I'm not sure if this is the direction that it's got to go. I mean, it's going that direction simply because the manufacturers are just not putting that kind of research and development and production into the right. bike anymore, obviously. I would agree with you, and I feel a little guilty because I did complain about the trick of Moto America. I feel like they heard me. And I'm like, okay, Jason, you want to talk like that? Here's what we're going to do. We'll make it so only factory teams could possibly yeah. support this. Um, but here's the thing that I also thought about. You know, we just talked, touched on the fact that they're going to be using whatever they can get out of these motors. Now, that's not necessarily true for the privateer. The, and I and I had a conversation with both um, Nick and, and Tony McKnight because I know them and they both are going to run Moto America next year. The... The modifications needed to a current R6 motor would cost about $3,200 in, in parts and labor from a place like KWS, which we would, you know, that would be what their cost would be. 
Now, that's going to increase their power and torque. I think it's a camshaft change. I think it's a lot of that stuff. But, 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 again, we get into well, how reliable is this motor? Now, if you just did that, then they both feel that you can run that all year. But we also know that that won't be competitive now, in terms of race wins. Right. So, yeah, we can run. We can go to every round. And we can finish 23rd. But if you want, I mean, and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm saying that that 3,200, and if they have to rebuild it, so that's really 6,400, gets them nowhere, right? They're not anywhere close to the same playing field. Conversely, dumb, uh, throttling back the V2 and the 765 with rev limiters that are lower, lower rev limits and restricted airflow, that motor will be imminently more reliable right, because absolutely. you can't wind it up. Absolutely. So, so you know, I'm curious, do we see a lot of motors blowing up, you know, halfway through the year and the, the Panigale is barely breaking a sweat and the 765 is barely breaking a sweat? It's really going to... I know why we did it. I know in order to get Americans to Europe and get them on stage, we've got to do what the FIM is doing in Europe. We've got to meet some of that. We weren't required to do that to have a series, but if we want a series where our guys are, know what to expect, they can step in and hope to be competitive as far as the machinery goes, then we had to do it. The side is just what we talked about. And I have said it before. I love, love, love the privateer aspect of Moto America because I feel like it's such an essential what we do. All the way back from the AMA, you know, when there were there have been more than one time in the history of AMA and where a privateer brought it home and beat the factory teams on that day, they just did it. That was cool. And th that privateer aspect has always been cool to me, but it's not as competitive as when it's all privateer or 5%. It just isn't. Aren't putting Americans in a position to grow as motorcyclists and racers that they can go to Europe and come away or even in a couple of years because it's such a different environment and it's a shock. And I think that's what we're trying to do here. But I also feel your sentiment about the way to make a sport more popular, popular and more accessible, not to add a ton of money to it. Well, but, the, the our, only, our uh, hands are kind of tied. Right, right. And, 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 you know, obviously there's nothing that we can do to change this. You know, this, this tide is coming. And, you know, we've just got to prepare the, the, you know, the, the shore. But the problem is, though, is, you know, with this increased cost, this increased maintenance, this increased, you know, um, burden on the teams, we have to, I, I and I don't see this anywhere listed. I haven't looked at any kind of concessions listed that have been made from Moto America yet. Is, is, is the prize money going to be increased? You know, is, is you're now making this more unattainable, so the juice has to be worth the squeeze for teams to be able to go. Otherwise, you know, I'm not sure what club racing looks like next year. If club racing is going to adopt similar, you know, ideals behind this, which I, I highly doubt. I it hope would. not. You know, it, I hope, I, they can't. There's just no way. The um, Money, the money's not there to support but, that. But, you know, Moto America has to make this lucrative enough for, for the privateer effort to continue. Um, and I, I just don't know, like I said, not that we can change um, the, the way that this is going, but 
it just to me more power is not the answer but apparently that's the way that the world feels is we need more horsepower you know i mean uh especially in the wake of what we've seen this year with the young men losing their lives you know i i think i agree with you i something that popped into my head when i was thinking about this though if you you mentioned the club scene weira ccs uh, Moto Gladiator, all, all those guys, uh, you know, AFM out west, you know. So right now, in this past year, I know there were guys racing a two two thousand fourteen R, two thousand sixteen motor, and were competitive against the guys that had the R, you know, the the R six from twenty twenty or twenty right, right, and they were competitive, but but that's going away quickly. Yeah, I mean, you've got. Yeah where that 17 plus R6 could probably remain competitive. But technology moves so fast that this easily attainable platform will still work great for Weira and CCS and AFM as long as they don't adopt these rules. It'll still work in the terms of Moto America. It won't work. And you and I yeah. both know that. You, you, it's going to be less and less competitive every year. They, right. You know, but I think the problem becomes, you know, now that Moto America has adopted this rule change, is it's going to make it more difficult for guys to make a jump from the club racing scene into the Moto America scene. You know, because 100%. That, means, that means a mid-season bike change or having a completely different bike that they can go to or they have to... Or mortgaging your family's future so right, that you get or, a new V2 or and buy all the your, expensive Italian parts. And and obviously, we're just talking solely based on the Supersport class. Now, the, with that, yep. you know, the reason behind that is the Supersport class and, you know, club racing, Moto America, the grids are much larger because these bikes are, they're, I don't want to say, they, they are more financially attainable um because oh, 100%, you know, yeah. the, the market is flooded and saturated with you know zx6rs and and yamaha r6s and gsxrs um and rightly so because they're they're fantastic motorcycles by three you know uh, phenomenal manufacturers I, and they've got so much going for them and they're they're competitive they can be competitive and at the club scene it is a lot of the rider more so than just the bike but once you start getting into that next level between club scene to you know the the national stage at a moto america level you are going to absolutely start to see where the team influence uh, comes in uh with the bike and, and, and what and how much money that team is able to put in um to the yeah. development of the machine so yeah and, and it becomes so much more important yeah the wallet once you start talking about money racing money versus money or wallet versus wallet you know that's tough so you know i i want to say you know we what do you think a super sport? Let's take SDK's Jixer 600 from last year, the 2021. He wins the title on it. What do you think the cost of that bike? We'll see that bike for sale. I almost guarantee it for twenty thousand dollars or less. Yeah. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I will take that and put that against the ZX10 RR from that Jason Aguilar brought to. Uh, CMP to test that he sent into a porta potty and destroyed it. Um, that bike was a hundred thousand hmm. dollars. I mean, I, it's, it's astounding. So, I mean, you think about the the Graves Fresh and Lean Yamaha Superbikes. They had easily more than a hundred thousand in every one of those bikes. I I mean, would you disagree with that? No, no, I don't think so. Once you look okay, at the, once you talk about so the you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, you're talking about five times the money 
from super sport to super bike. Okay. That's fair. And you got, and, and, but even the super stock bikes, it's three times more expensive than the super sport bikes. Would you agree with that? I mean, I, I would say there's at least $50,000 because they can change some stuff. So, and they tune them and do all that. They, they're small motor mods. Uh, I think they could allow aftermarket wheels, things of that nature. But I don't know what that costs. I know it was significantly less than the Superbike. Right. But what would you guess that, that price was? I would, uh, I, I would 50, still say, you were, yeah, you're probably close to 50. I mean, we'll have to call up the buddies, you know, but, um, you know, uh, a Superbike Unlimited and see how much they've got into a bike. But no, I would agree with that. You know, once you start talking about the electronics packages that have to go into the actual Superbike class, there's a lot of money that goes into those electronic packages, I believe. And um, I can't I'm not sure if it's still, you know, uh, Mar Magneti Marinelli um, that is, you know, the required um, electronics package or if they can select the Motec um, electronics package I think there was some debacle with Honda a couple years ago with their last generation um, F4 uh, uh, CBR 1000 um, that, that caused some issues there which basically made that bike completely um, uncompetitive but Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. but no, the, 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 the cost of these bikes is just, uh, you know, and another thing too, you know, we're talking about it, you know, by 2024, I think, um, all of the, or excuse me, um, 2023, you're talking I'm about sorry. fly by wire, yes, model by, yes, fly by wire? yes, 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 it's 2023 or 2024. You're right. Which is another huge expensive upgrade, actually, if it, or you just can't use an older bike. The Jixxer does not have it. The Cowie does not have yeah, it. Starting in um, 2024. So starting in 2024, 2024 all yeah. machines. And this is from RoadRacingWorld.com. Um, so credit to those guys for for the article that we're pulling this information from. Um, but yeah, that is where we are getting this from. Is is definitely from uh, RoadRacingWorld.com. No affiliation with them. Um, and also the Moto America technical <laughs> rules. Uh, I want to give credit yeah, where credit's you know, due. You know, that's right. Wanna... That's right. That's right. Well, here's the thing. So. Um, a new uh, ZX6, 636 in America costs what? $12,000 retail? You can get it yeah. for less, probably yeah. 10 or 11. Right. Okay. The Panigale V2, 20 grand out of the box. If you, you can already be double the cost right out of the box, you haven't bought one piece of bodywork, you haven't had to make the adjustments necessary in the airbox or the uh the rev limiter which is mapping um you know so already we have doubled the cost of one of them. now i don't know what a new triumph 765 cost do you know 18, I, it's up there yeah 18, okay so there 18, you go 19, yeah yep so 1819 and that and now and i just pulled up a panigale v2 bayless edition that's twenty one thousand. so Thing about 18 to is where you were the Panicale V2. Um, but I just, I know that these two bikes aren't going to dominate it this year because I think there will be a few on there, but it won't be a lot of people. But like I talked about, I know going forward as those other bikes go farther and farther back in terms of technology, you know, you, you could you can put ten thousand dollars worth of motor work into an R three years and still be not competitive at all, and so then you're forced to buy this expensive bike. Yeah, yeah, and, and you and, know, and it, it's, uh, one it's thing that we one thing that we touch on or we need to touch on, I think though too is, you know, um, 
the bikes that are uh, that we're talking about obviously you know the bikes that this is catering i will say that this these rule changes are catering to uh, we'll go down the list it is the ducati panigale v2 the triumph daytona yep. 765 and yep. also a it really ga- it gears towards the um mv agusta f3 800 um so those three bikes these are exotic bikes you know these aren't you know the 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 japanese bikes that where you can say like you had just mentioned you know you can it's half the cost anyway right out of the box showroom floor you know that's why they're so appealing to younger the younger kids is that you know it's an easy bike to get a hold of um but but you parts start, are easily available yeah, absolutely that's the exactly you start talking about increased parts with these triumphs and these ducatis and the mvs i, I mean it, it's not as simple as going as ordering a, a vortex um erasing um you know rear set for it you know i remember the yeah. old generation uh triumphs I, I think you had to buy specific um attack rear sets or even uh, you know direct triumph rear sets to to get to fit these bikes so you know that's something that, there's going to be a lot of burden on this aftermarket um presence to be able to develop new parts for these bikes but also keep them affordable um but there and again right. we have the problem of well if there's not this many bikes that are out there it doesn't make sense for them to make so many parts for them right i mean the bracket for a for a, a triumph daytona 765 yeah. is not going to be nearly as popular as a as a bracket for a, G, a gsx r600 or an r6 just because the bikes aren't out there same with a v2 and probably right. more so with a v2 and the and the mv agusta but because we just never see these bikes. I think I've seen one or two MVs at a track day before. Yeah, I I, I, I would agree with that. And so I just looked up the uh, the MV F3 Rosso uh, 16.9. And if you want the RR version, it is 21.9. Hmm. So uh, it... it <laughs> now, this bike, the, um, the Rosso comes with... Um, 147 horse right out of the box. I mean, 147 horsepower with the RR right out of the box, 143 with the Ross. I mean, we're talking early 2000s liter bike power, right? I, I mean, uh, yes. You know, Mid 2000s. Exactly. Talking, we're talking 2005, 2006, a, you know, R1. On a package or, that or, weighs you know, 60 pounds less. Yeah. On a package that weighs 60 pounds less. So you, you're talking about a crazy number. Um, you know, a crazy, a crazy number to start. And I mean, we all know that European bikes are super beautiful. Like they, they are. I love looking oh, at yes, them. Oh yes, absolutely. Without but a my, doubt. But my, but my approach to them has always been, I will never get to ride that Ducati in that form. Cause I don't ride on the street. Never get to ride that F3 in that form because it's, it won't, I don't ride on the street. And there was a bike that came out a few years ago, the F3 Ago. I was in love with that bike, and I actually went to buy it twice and <laughs> didn't do it simply because I don't ride on the street. And I, I just had to get that in my mind. I couldn't, I almost couldn't stand it. And then I would have bought a piece of garage jewelry, right? Because I don't want to take the fairings off because it looks so beautiful, but I don't right. want to ride it because I don't ride on the street. So here we are. I wasted my money. But I think the same thing as it can be said about all these European bikes, they are so expensive to do anything to. I mean, just looking at a full exhaust for a Ducati V4, five grand compared to what, 2,600 for an R1 or a Kawasaki Acra. Right. You know, it's unbelievable. So we have, 
A lot of people will play this off because they're like, it won't cost me that much more. No, it won't cost you that much more if you want to run at the back. But if you want to run at the front, it's going to cost you a lot more. And I I don't know. We've said that like 30 times. I know. We're, but it, it's just... It's just this, but, but this that's decision. what's killing our sport. I think you know we've talked about it numerous. I times, agree. And I it mean, it's, it's price exclusionary. The, yeah, you know, and we've had a lot of discussions over the past week about Circuit of the Americas um, and the state that the track is in. Um, the fact that uh, you know, not a, doesn't look like there's a whole lot of desire to want to put the money into the track to improve it and make it what it needs to be. Um, you know, and uh, and uh, but it all comes back to money. We've talked about it how many times. It it, it, it we have to get more company interest into. Uh, into motorsports you know this 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 has a far-reaching uh, um effect other than just motorcycles in my opinion so it does um, unfortunately we are involved more directly with motorcycles um you know it's kind of what we love and what we what we lean towards um it, you know it's got more exciting racing in my opinion um in, in motorcycles but um you know, we want to see this sports grow, but this is not initially a direction in which I think it's going to be conducive to growth. Now, um, all that being said, the balance of power steps that Motor America has got, they are building in clauses that this balance of power will, you know, can be adjusted as the season goes on. They want to look sure. at, you know, yep. every three yep. races to see what lap comparative lap times well, are to see where everything's laying right. and then try to adjust from there. But I think right. that there you may run into some arguments some protests about, uh, you know, well, Oh, you're I'm definitely going my, to, you're making my bike slow down, but I'm just, a better I, rider. I can guarantee you, know, you to you, Bo, they're going to go to road Atlanta early in the year. And if right. they haven't made adjustments on that back straight, the Ducati and the triumph, and maybe even the MV are going to be doing 25 to 30 miles an hour faster than those other bikes. I, w I would almost guarantee it. I would almost guarantee it unless they have made significant restrictions at that point. And that is a huge thing. Well, now, isn't Moto, I mean, Road Atlanta is always the opening weekend for Moto America. That's what I'm saying. So they're going to get out there. And they're, and we if they don't do the restricting before they do it, now they may do some testing. I'm going to reserve judgment on that because I don't know exactly how they're going to approach this. And But it is worth noting that they did change the restrictions uh, a few years ago during the season. And I remember them doing it to the Ducati back when the 848 first came out. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I remember them doing it mid-season. But, but by mid-season, the Ducati, the MV, or the Triumph, they may have all run away with the championship at that point. I mean, if you've got a Ducati winning by 25 seconds, which probably not, but, but winning because of the speed difference on the back or vice versa with the Triumph or the MV, I mean, what, what are the guys that can't afford that supposed to do? Just take their medicine. I mean, that's the thing, and, and that's what that's what's going to happen. Is then we're going to see all those guys drop back down to chase the club money, right? I mean, they're they're not going to chase their, contingency money. Yeah, they're not going to waste their time in a series that's not going to be not going to be fruitful for them, you know? Because some of these guys are trying to get to Europe. You know, there there are the guys yeah. that are trying to find their they're trying to get that breakthrough performance. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're trying to see the attention. They're trying to take that next step in their career, and they want to do this for the long haul. But you know, they might not be financially capable of getting there or getting that attention because they're going to be mired somewhere down mid-pack because they can't afford to go out and buy these fancy uh, Italian, you know, war horses that they they want to go out and ride. Now, the balance of of the balancing calculations are all built on you know an algorithm, which takes into different thing, uh, different aspects. It's going to take lap time comparative uh, comparative lap times, uh, speed 
traps, uh, how many riders are actually sure. out on each brand is part of the algorithm as well. Um, you know, race results, lap led, but like you, you know, overall race times. But like you're saying though, they have to have the history to be able to apply these balance of, uh, balancing calculations. So they have to go out and run this. So if a Ducati does come out out of the gate at Road Atlanta in April next year, and it is blowing the field away, um, then and even the same thing with the Triumphs. Personally, I think the Triumph might be it might be one of the the shine through bikes next year. Um, well, there's there's data. You can get data from somewhere with the Triumph because they've already run it for an entire year in BSB. If you know someone or develop a relationship, you can get some data. The second part of that is the saving grace for the Yamaha and the Kawasaki going forward may be that they do have data and development in years of racing, right? right so they, they right. have, they know, they, those bikes have evolved because they have done laps. So maybe that helps them in the beginning but if we don't see significant restrictions, which I'm sure they're going to be fairly significant for the Duck and the MV and the Triumph, if we don't see though, it doesn't matter because if, if you can make up more than a second and a half on that back straight at Road Atlanta, then, you know what I mean? I mean, right. that's huge on the lap. But 155 horsepower versus 120 horsepower is huge. So you've got to squeeze that together a little better, and hopefully they can do that right out of the box. Right, and like you said, you know, and, and also it's where these bikes are making the power too, you know, because if a, a V2 right. is going to make that power, in my eyes, it's going to make it much quicker than an R6 is going to be able to. You know, oh, the yeah. R6 is the R6 is it's made to run in above ten thousand RPM. It's made to be rung out, you know, and ridden like a ridden ragged you know so this this low this the this Panigale v2 is going to have a very you know hard revving uh, v twin down low so it's going to come up and it's going to get out of turn seven fantastic on the back straight in the road atlanta yeah it might not be able to rev and ring out that um that eleven thousand rpm uh you know to get to the top of its rev range but it's still going to make decent power getting out of that corner that might be able to break the draft of an r6 by the time that r6 gets rung out yeah, 100%. It's going to. And, and, you know, that's the thing about the V-Twins is they have so much grunt uh, out of the corners, and we're going to see if that makes a huge difference. It will be interesting. I, I What I pie in the sky is that we're we're doing a lot of doom and gloom for these chains. Right, is that right. Some folks from Europe will come over and ride and raise the level of the competitiveness of the champ, um, that would be great because you know we saw that a little bit with Laura's Baz, and um, I, that's kind of a segue for me. I, I, I felt like eating that horse. I mean, do you feel like we're we've kind of done it? We've set our piece with it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, you know, and this could be a really. I mean, like I said, we can get into the technical side. You know. Yeah. Um, um, with limits, the rev limits, and all that stuff. But here's the thing that I think you and I touched on. It's going to. The championship's going to look a lot different, and it may come down to whose wallet. It might be. Right. I don't know. Well, and, and, you know, SDK is gone. Escalante, I don't know if he's coming back for sure yet. So we have to we have to just wait and see. Maybe it won't be as bad as we think. Maybe it won't be that. Maybe, maybe the R6 still hands it to him. I, to, I think that's wishful thinking, but I maybe it just depends on who's riding what. 
But somebody that we need to talk about, though, that this would affect before we stop is Stefano Mesa. Somebody like that, he's not going to be that much if he can't do anything but finish in 12th, you know, if it yeah. affects him that much. Yep, absolutely. You know, he's getting, like you said, he's going to chase that contingency money, which he already does. That's how he makes his living. Yep. So, I mean, it'll be very interesting, Boa. I, I have high hopes that we haven't killed it and that we are getting on par with our European brethren and producing riders that can go to Europe and compete. Because if they're riding that Triumph here, getting on that Triumph motor over in Moto2 won't be so different. And maybe that that's, you know, there are people that can see into the future that then we have that visibility into, you know, kind of thinking about Brandon Pash. I'm not for sure if Brandon Pash is confirmed for BSB next year where he's going. But, you know, this almost opens up a door for him to come straight back to Moto America. Um, you know, for what he's done in BSB this year on the 765, he's been fairly successful. Um, so, you know, maybe this is... I, I would say it's lukewarm. I wouldn't say fairly successful. I mean, he's had... They, but their team has a total of two race wins right, and, and seven got... podiums in 20 races. So that's lukewarm. That that I, I mean, they haven't been a disaster. Right. But they haven't podiumed between the two. That's both riders. And I know, you know, Brandon has not gotten all seven of those. So... You know, it's like they've been okay, but there's also an, there's an adjustment period to your point. Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe he comes back and he's right in step with that triumph for the team that's like, well, if you, we'll got the money, tell us what we need to do. No problem. And, Just went through that. And, you know, it, it bears mentioning that the HS, the Warhorse HSBK team is going to field a super sport bike with a V2 next year. As well as the, the as well as the Ducati V4 and Superbike. Speaking of deep pockets, yeah. Yep. Speaking of deep pockets, I mean they brought over an actual world Superbike Ducati. Yeah. <laughs> but they had to change the transmission to meet the motorizations. But my goodness, I mean, good for them. Maybe their guys will be good. But speaking of that, and Loris Bass rode from him last year. Loris Bass is moving on. He is back in World Superbike aboard a BMW, Ducati, bunch of idiots. I said what I said. I don't understand this. I mean, you have a guy that, yeah, he he's ridden in Moto America all year long. He's done well in Moto America all year long. He's had a few mechanical issues. He's helped develop this bike for that team all year long. And then he turns around and he goes to Portugal in his first weekend, has three podiums, lost out one on a technicality over a BS No, it was penalty. his second weekend. It was his that, second I'm weekend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, he did, but he did very well yeah. in his first weekend, though, getting, you know. In Jerez, well. yeah. Yeah, in Jerez. So you're right. Um, but, no, the second weekend was 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 phenomenal for Wallace Baz because he even worked all the way through traffic at Portimao, which is a very physical, very technical track where sometimes there's not a lot of passing opportunities and you have to get creative. Um, so, yeah, Ducati, I don't understand this at all. I, I don't, this kind of – and I haven't read any, any uh, news articles, so I'm not even sure who's taking Chaz Davies' seat at this point for next year since he's retiring. Um, but but well, this is just astonishing to me that Loris Bass did not get that Ducati seat. Well, you know, here's the deal. Go 11 looks to be leaving Ducati next year. Okay. They All look right. to be headed to Yamaha. So who knows what that entailed. And in other news, it looks as if Axel Bassan leaving the Ducati team and going to Honda. What is Ducati doing? Well, what? So this is what we're going to do. Here, guys, I got a great idea. This is what we're going to do. We're going to alienate 
a young up-and-comer and hire a dude that we had before and got rid of who's done basically nothing at Honda. That's our guy. We've got another guy that on some days has never seen a motorcycle. Other days is the best rider on the grid. Don't know how to explain it, but I know how we help him as we bring in super crasher Alvaro Bautista. So I don't know what's going on in Ducati, and I don't know if all this came down to money or they don't like personalities or I don't know. But I know that you have just let a guy that rode beautifully on a Ducati in Loris Baz in two weekends and got three podiums leave. You let Scott Redding leave. You let uh, Axel Bassani now. Looks like he's under machinery because you won't support his team when he has been the best, if second best or the best independent rider for the season. And you're like, nah, we don't need that either. Let's just let this guy go to Honda. Sounds good. Loris Baz, go ahead and grab that BMW seat. I mean, tell me you don't know what you're doing without telling me you don't know what you're doing. Yeah, I agree. No, I, there, there's no way for me to make sense any out of any of this stuff. I mean, if you would, uh, I would have bet money that Axel Bassani would have been on a Ducati next year. Um, I would have bet. I would have bet money too. Boris I would have. I would have bet the house. I, I mean, I, I absolutely would have would have thought Axel Bassani would have been on a Ducati. I, I don't think that uh, we talked about it before. I mean, I could almost set my watch and wait for Alvaro Batista to crash. Which, unfortunately, you know, after uh, after Alvaro Batista was announced that he was going to Ducati, I don't think he's crashed. In, you know, in a race yet. Or I think he did crash at, at uh, in uh, uh, had a fast crash um, at the end of, uh, in the last Portugal. I'm thinking. I'm talking uh, about oh, okay. about uh, okay. Alvaro Batista, but you know. Um, to me, he did crash it, when Loris Baz got penalized. Remember? Yeah, but I think he also had a had a fast crash at one of the last corners as well. I can't. It might oh. have been in practice, but um, uh, but no, I, I mean, it, I I don't understand these moves. I, I don't get it. I don't. It, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense for the long run to me. It, all the only yeah. kind of good sense it makes is for immediate recognition of big names like Alvaro Batista. But even still, yeah. I mean that that name is kind of it, it's lost quite a bit of shine, especially after his surge, Man. his first go round with the Ducati, and then he went out with a whimper in the rest of that championship. I wish I had the money to field a world superbike team because I would I'd know exactly who I'd go after. Um, but you know, so either they're not as smart as we, they think they are, or we aren't as smart as we think we are. So we will see in 2022, (laughs) but I, but I really don't understand Ducati's approach this year and maybe there, you know, but there is uh, the money could be the problem because they are fielding 29 bikes in MotoGP next year. <laughs> so maybe they were like, you know what? We're not going to do so many World Superbikes. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. That could have been a factor because if you've got Go11 leaving Ducati and going to Yamaha and Axel Bassani's team going to Honda, or maybe they just didn't re-sign Axel. I don't know that situation. I just read that he was it, the rumored to be leaving and headed to Honda not the factory team, because that is supposedly Iker Lekawona and uh, Leon Haslam. Tom Sykes has evidently been headed to British Superbike. Um, so, season we don't. A lot of this is conjecture and rumor, but it's always it's always interesting to 
and and read about it and decipher what's going to happen next year. Yeah, I, I mean, you know as well as I do, uh, these rumors start and, and it all everyone starts chattering. But you know, and the ink's going to come to paper pretty soon, though, and it's all going to come yep. come yep. to fruition. Yep. So you know, not to say all that we're talking about is, but uh, more often than not, a lot of these rumors kind of come up and. And and when they do, when it, especially the outlandish ones, for some reason, the ones that you just can't put your finger on and make sense out, those are always the ones that end up ma- that come and you know that right materialize in I, front of you. Absolutely. Well, you know, th- there's one more thing I wanted to touch on before we get done this evening, and it was something that I read an article from Massimo about where Massimo Marigali commented on Bat Maverick Vinales, and what he said, and this is Massimo Marigali, his former crew chief, he said. Maverick doesn't deal well with pressure or when things go wrong. And when that happens, he accuses you of sabotage. (laughs) And I thought, okay, if this was a reporter that had talked to an unnamed source, I would write this off and think no one's that stupid. But this is Massimo Marigali, a phenomenal crew chief, a, a veteran a guy that's been at the highest level of the sport saying that about Maverick. So here's what I have to say about Maverick Vinales. That believable, grow up, you sissy. Seriously, grow up. Grow up. I, I, I get the problem with pressure, but when you accuse your team of sabotage, yeah, these are the guys that are putting uh, your bike together underneath of you. I, I mean, you you know, you and I ride at the track day level, right? Would you ever let somebody else ride your bike, or, or excuse me, would you ever let somebody else work on your bike and then you go out and ride it to the level that you know to your absolute maximum? You would. No, do I'm it. scared. The you first time, first lap, I go out on there after I told you that I was like yeah. breaking like 400 yards early. Like, is everything good? I don't yeah, know. Everything's absolutely. good. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely not. Now, if if Massimo Marigali was working on my bike. Never a thought. Everything that's wrong, besides the occasional mechanical, with anything mechanical can break. Doesn't matter what kind of machine it is, it can break. Never, never would I accuse my crew chief right of, absolutely of of, of, of sabotage without mm-hmm. evidence. Like if I saw it myself and there was no other way around it. But because I because something happened and it messed me up and now I'm in a bad mood and, and speaking of sabotage, what about rev bombing the motor? You jerk. I, I, I can't oh I would love to sit Maverick Vinales down and have a little talk about what it is to be an adult human being. And, you know, maybe I'm not the best one to do that. I don't know. But I'm just <laughs> saying there are some things that I do as an adult well at, at, at that that just rubbed me the wrong way. I, I don't know why I got so fired up about it, but I did. And I was like, you know what? This dude's dead to me. This dude is dead to me. Um, I know I made that bet about a pre earlier. I'll keep myself held to that bet, but we'll never have to worry about it, Bo. Never going to have right. to worry about it. No, I agree. Never. I don't care what bike he's on. I don't care if he's only the only one on a motorcycle and everyone else is on bicycles. We still don't have to worry about <laughs> it. He's the worst. And that's, that's what I feel about him right now. Um, but... Anyway, I think I used up all our time with that rant. <laughs> yeah, I think I think that, that's a good. Uh, yeah, we're about to wrap it up with that one. On that note, yeah. folks, thanks for yeah. joining us yeah. on the 
a little <laughs> little glimpse inside the mind of old Jason. Um, but yeah, look, listen, guys, we we just wanted to get on and talk a little bit about what's coming for next year, what's happening. Uh, we'll be back next week with more race coverage. But uh, until then, let's keep that shine up, that rubber side down. I'm Jason, a.k.a. Captain Novice with my man, Bo, and we'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Have a good one.